What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bowhunter. Oh, man, what a fun episode this was to talk to Mike about. Uh, Mike's the co-host of Heartland Bowhunter and is an obviously uh, just a, a tough hunter that gets after it, uh, whether it be from whitetail, mule deer, elk, and everything between. He's as passionate as it comes to, to hunting as there is. Uh, and, it, and in this episode, Mike and I talk about his 2020 hunting season, the beginning of it, his mentality for hunting the month of October and beyond. Uh, and just straight up some BS hunting, su successful hunting stories, uh, trail cam tactics, how uh, Heartland Bowhunter has evolved over the last 13 years. Just some really good fun stuff, a good fun conversation, easy to listen to. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this one. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Greatly appreciate it. Make sure you guys check out Heartland Bowhunter, what they got going on. And uh, obviously, everybody, thank you so much for all of your continued support especially recently with all the new hats going out. Uh, just so, all of you guys liking and subscribing to our stuff. It means the world to us. Uh, and while you're at it, make sure you go check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Check all of our awesome partners out from America's Best Bowstrings, Sever, uh, First Light, Cobra, Stoker Eyes, Tethered, Argali, Onyx, you name it. Uh, just some great, great stuff. And also just a quick reminder, we have a few hats left. Uh, they're made by Single Acre uh, Hat Company, Shea Butler Knives over there. Uh, doing awesome stuff he and his wife so thank you so much uh for, for doing all of what you do for us Shay. we greatly appreciate it and uh just want to just say hey uh man i i just want to highlight one thing just because i just got back from the woods and i just want to say how much i really do believe in all the gear that first light provides uh that that we that we wear uh i i'm loving every single piece and when you layer correctly you are just so comfortable in the woods uh, and their motto of, of go farther, stay longer is, is really holds true. And, uh, the one piece that I've been rocking the crap out of this year so far has been that sob tooth, uh, vest, just because that temperature has been hovering around that 40 degrees. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm rocking the furnace base layer, then that, uh, Klamath hoodie, then with the sawtooth vest over top. And if it gets a little bit cooler, I'll take that vest off and I'll put the catalyst jacket on. So check out all that stuff over at firstlight.com. Just awesome stuff. Really great. Greatly appreciate, uh, all what they're doing over there and some good things. So check them out and, uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. And, uh, if you like what you hear, go leave a five-star review. Appreciate it. Hopefully you're knocking some, some stuff down in the woods. Signs picking up, it's starting to get a little bit ruddy. Hopefully knock one down till next time. Enjoy the episode. Antler up. Awesome. All right, everybody. So welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And on the other line today, I am joined by Mike Hunsucker of the Heartland Bowhunter. Dude, man, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. No Awesome, man. Well, dude, you've been so busy already just watching your Instagram and social media accounts. What have you been up to already for this 2020 season? Oh yeah, it's always, we always try to get a good jump out of the gate, you know, and take advantage of some early opportunities out West. Um, and, uh, I kicked things off in Nebraska and then piggybacked with the Colorado elk hunt. Um, so it's, it's one of those deals when, like when we go out West, it's like such a adventure out there, like just to get out there and we're, we're usually have all our gear and stuff. So we try to like kind of piggyback a couple of trips and, and not have to like travel back and forth so much. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny you say that because when we were coming out uh, on our drive out West, I said to our two buddies, I'm like, man, I'm, I said, hopefully though. And I said, I think I have one more year that I could pull my Iowa tag after putting in for all those for the points. And I said, why don't we come out West again? I said, on our way back through, we could 
do a little bit of, of scouting. If we want to come back in November, just kind of do this, like, like you said, you'd make a trip out of it instead of just going to yeah. one, you know, that one big state. So, uh, so any, uh, what were you hunting in, in Nebraska for? Uh, the primary goal was, was mule deer. Okay. Um, I actually was hunting a new piece of property that I'd never been on before. Uh, my buddy Cody, uh, at Heartland Pride Outfitters, he does a lot of, um, uh, they, they, they have a ton of ground and he's like, he's a madman. and he's just yeah. one of those guys that just never stops. And, um, that, you know, we, we've hunted with him in Kansas for years and, uh, he's, uh, all, he's actually based out of Nebraska and does some stuff in Nebraska. We've never hunted with him before there. And, um, so he has some whitetail stuff in Nebraska, has some mule deer stuff, um, as well. And actually just picked up at this new ranch. And it's funny over the years, he kind of knows like, um, you know, I, I don't mind like doing the outfitted type hunt, but I like yeah. to have control over the situation. I like to kind of do my own scouting, hang my own stands, you know, and, and do all that. And so I've over the years kind of become his guinea pig. So like <laughs> if he picks up a new piece of property, he's like, here you go. Have yeah. at it. And like, let me, let me know what you find. That's pretty and cool. So, yeah, it was cool. So, um, I mean, and, and we've done it, you know, I have enough trust in him and we've done it long enough to where he literally like send me some Onyx, you know, pins before i go and that's about it so like i just dove in like right like a week a week out of the hunt i'm like all right here we go yeah and uh just try to figure out the best we can so we the the primary focus was mule deer out of the get-go and um but also like i, I swear it was like 48 hours before i leave he's like hey he texted me he's like you may want to bring some stands. He's like, there's an alfalfa pivot and there's like 60 whitetails on it every night there's got to be some good bucks he's like i i didn't see anything over like 115 inches but they're there's got to be some good whitetail bucks. And so I was like, oh, okay, just one more thing to prepare for. Yeah. I was already preparing for this hunt and the Colorado hunt. And so I got my truck and like, we have a little small enclosed trailer I like to take on a lot of these Western trips. And I throw a deep freeze in there and cause you just never know what you're going to get into. And so I'm preparing for an elk hunt, which the elk hunt was kind of a lot of unknown. So like I was, uh, I had a buddy who had a place in Colorado that I was going to base out of, but I also wanted to have a, you know, camp to where I could, if we got on some elk, I wanted to be able to camp. Right. And then I also want to have a spike camp to where if we got on some elk in some remote areas, I wanted to be able to camp on the mountain, you know, remote. So I had like literally three different types of elk setups, like freeze dried <laughs> meals, you know, jet boils and then everything, water, all that stuff. I had to prepare for everything. And then he's like, Oh yeah, just throw some tree stands too. I'm like, why not throw some yeah. like tree arms, tree stands, all the, all the whitetail stuff. So we literally had everything we needed inside of that truck and trailer there uh, it, for this first little adventure. It sounds like my whole garage was just packed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure how it is with, with, you said you were when I went on that trip to Utah, but like the first time of the year is already like kind of like, you know, knocking the cobwebs off and like, kind of like nerve wracking as it yeah. is. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, you gotta have everything I need. And I'm the kind of guy, I'm a very prepared guy. So like, I'm like, Oh, I gotta have every single thing and make sure I don't forget anything. And I think I did pretty dang good. I'm trying to remember if I forgot anything. It's usually never fails. I always forget yeah. one or two things, but I think I nailed it. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to ask you, cause of, especially about your Colorado, because man, you got hammered them with the snow. That was all, like, I just watching everybody that was hunting up there, uh, just getting pummeled with like with the snow. That was just like, were you prepared for that aspect of things? Uh, I don't know that I was like prepared for that, but I did have, you know, I made sure I didn't, I didn't know, wasn't anticipating that by any means, but I did, I did pack cold weather gear cause I yeah. just know how it can be. So you just never know. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it was wild. I mean, literally the night I shot my buck in Nebraska, 
103 degrees, like the hottest deer hunt I've ever been on. Like <laughs> I was just talking to Brandon, my camera guy. I was like, man, I was like, if we were back home, like we wouldn't even hunt tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, but I don't know, man. I was like, these deer, like it's been hot all summer. They've been doing the same thing. They're used to it. Um, you know, what, what else are we going to do kind of deal? Like we're there to hunt. So right. we're going to hunt. Right. And we didn't have a, we didn't have a beat on a mule deer from the, from the morning hunt. So we were like, yeah, let's go sit the whitetail stand. But anyway, yeah. 103 degrees. Talk about 48 hours later, we make the commute to Colorado and boom, 10 inches of snow and 20 <laughs> degrees. I was like, what? How yeah. is that even like, I mean, I'm no meteorologist, but like, how is that even physically like, how is that possible? I don't yeah. understand. Like, how can it literally swing that much? Yeah. That looked like a it's lot. Wild. Of, it looked a lot of fun. What was your, uh, was your, what was your plan for the uh, Nebraska with the whitetail? Did you get in on like the alfalfa field or did you find some water? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we were on the alfalfa. So it was actually really basically perfect for the hunt situation because like we would spend our mule deer or our morning hunting mule deer and just basically glass in the first thing in the morning, see if we could spot a buck and have an idea where he's bedded. Unfortunately, we weren't having much success with that. So we spent, instead of the spot and stock, we spent spent most of the hunt doing the stock and spot, <laughs> which can be extremely physically uh, exhausting and mentally exhausting, but like, you know, just basically hiking and hiking yeah. and glassing and looking at shade. And it's tough because like, if, if you want to cover ground efficiently, that you can't be super careful and you may end up bumping deer. And so like, if you want to be super careful, then you, you know, you just don't cover much ground very fast. So it's a frustrating, frustrating deal. But, um, so we weren't, you know, anytime we, we, you know, if we didn't, didn't get on any mule deer, like we were spending the evenings whitetail hunting. So it was actually really nice. Cause like it's tough in the evening anyway, to get on a mule deer. If you don't already know where they're at right. general vicinity, like it's tough. So, um, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And it just like a change of pace, you know, you spend all day hiking glass and looking for mule deer and then like get to, you know, chill in the tree stand and relax <laughs> a little bit and just let the whitetails funnel out. Not to mention there was a nice flush alfalfa pivot and, yep. and it was, it was loaded with deer. So it was cool. That's awesome. Well, that's the beauty I think of Nebraska. That's what's something I've been telling my dad the last two years. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I know I have the trip out West coming up, you know, within next year, like this past season. But I said, I definitely want to start planning like an early Nebraska. I said, because you could, like you said, get on mule deer and then later on possibly get on some whitetail then as well. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. a, it's just such a cool opportunity for, uh, you know, for me coming from Pennsylvania where it's just like, you know, you don't have that opportunity. You have to wait until October, you know, third for us this year to put a meaningful hunt. And when we went yeah. in that middle of, of August for the whitetail, I mean, that was such a, or for the mule deer, it was such a cool thing. Cause we're like, dude, we're hunting. Like, this is so neat. Like yeah. for us. So yeah, man, I, I think, uh, th there's so many lush opportunities like that, where you could have that opportunity to go and hunt that two different things of species in the same state, which is cool. Yeah. Oh man. There was uh antelope on the same property and elk. <laughs> Yeah. So, which none of us non-residents will ever hunt elk in Nebraska, unfortunately, but it was pretty cool, man, that <clears throat> seeing, you know, bulls and, and, and cows come down to that alfalfa in the evening. And actually, you know, we had them bugling, like literally right outside, we were seeing this little, this little ranch cabin. And, um, I mean, just literally turkeys, I mean, just wildlife galore. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Well, Hey man, I will, I want to ask you just to get into some, some whitetail talk, talking October's coming up for us. Uh, here in, in Pennsylvania, like I just mentioned, our, our openers coming up. And like I said, 
uh, prior to we started recording, October has been a, a, a tough month for me because to get going. Cause I always thought personally, I'm like, okay, let's fill the freezer. Let's put some does down. If you know, our shooter bucks, you, we usually don't see until that pre rut, like late middle October time. And I know you have ha had a ton of success, like early on in season, whether you're traveling to, to different States or hunting in Missouri, um, you know, talk a little bit about like what your mentality is as far as like that either you could even break it down in his sections as far as October. Like if you're going early, like if, if you pick a state like Pennsylvania, like if you come here for October 10th, like what would be kind of like your strategy going into that? And then as you get into that pre-rut time. Yeah. Yeah. October can be really tricky. Um, I love early, early season, but early season for Missouri is September 15th. And <laughs> man, it's like those, like that first, this first week of season that we're in right now, um, is, is so good. And if you get the right weather, it can be incredible. Um, and you know, e each day that goes by, it seems like it gets a little more tricky, a little tougher can be, uh, there's a lot of variables in it, but, um, October man is, is it, 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 it can be great. You know, it always gets a bad rap, the October lull and this and that. And, um, you know, it, it depends on the area you're hunting and, 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 and a lot of different things, but I've, we, you know, our, our group of guys, especially has had a lot of success in October, uh, primarily when cold fronts hit and, and it gets the deer on their feet. And, um, a lot of that does have to do with, we are hunting Missouri. And so it's our home, you know, it's our home hunt where we're picking and choosing the days that we want to hunt. You know, when we go on a travel hunt and we're hunting our butts off yeah. every day we're hunting. And so when we're hunting, you know, our home properties were being a little more selective of when we hunt certain areas and when we make the move to go in. But, uh, yeah, when those, when those cold fronts hit, uh, October can be pretty, pretty special as well. And so we're primarily hunting in Missouri, at least on, you know, private ground that, um, we either, you know, have permission on lease or own. And most of us at this point are, are, are planning some food plots and, and doing some, some type of, you know, sort of management. And so, um, I think one of the biggest success, uh, the biggest keys to success for us in October is having those like lush clover food plots. Uh, that seems to where be where they really just key in on and hammer that time of year. And um, something that's that's big for us too is obviously the acorn, you know, the acorn situation when they start dropping and uh, how the deer are keyed on those. And like our acorns right now are just dropping like crazy, and the deer are hammering them. Yeah, and so. I was talking with Ty, one of our guys, uh, who's got a buck that he's been after for a while. And he planted a specific clover plot, like right close to this buck's bedroom kind of deal, just to kill him this year. <laughs> and he's been like kind of bummed. Like he hadn't even hunted them yet this year. Um, he was kind of hoping to get a crack at him early season and just was like, man, I just, he just hasn't had it. He's got a cell camera down there. Um, and just hasn't had them on it very regularly. And it's because the deer eating acorns, yeah. um, the, the, the farm he's on has a bunch of mature oaks and, um, it can be, it can be tough, uh, especially if they're dropping everywhere, but like, it also can be, you know, work to your advantage. If you can kind of hone in on where, what areas they're feeding on. Um, I actually have a, a farm here, not too far of my father-in-law's place, uh, here for me in Missouri. And, um, for the first year this year, planted some food plots on it and spent a little more time dedicating some efforts towards it. And, um, yeah, hunted opening day, had a buck that was pretty, showing up on camera occasionally and i was like yeah it's opening day we'll give it a shot you know kind of deal and then we got in there early it was like five it was like 5 25 we're in the tree and chandler who was filming me literally was like 
we heard something off to our right and look over there and he's like, Oh yeah, it's a deer, you know, whatever. And I put, get my binos up and it's thick and then he's in the timber. We're, we're on a little food plot, uh, but it's in the middle of the timber. We're, we're like surrounded by timber. We're looking over there and I could see his legs. I could see his chest. Oh. And I was like, it's definitely a buck. And uh, I was like, Oh, whatever, you know, let's keep getting ready. We're not, we're like, literally, I just, just hung the camera stand, like the cameras at the bottom of the tree. And so we start getting the tree arms ready, trying to put them on. Well, he worked his way to the edge of the field, and Chandler, and Chandler was like, uh, does he kind of have like a lopsided rack? He's like, oh, yeah, that's him. He's through some trees. You can barely see him. He's like, oh, it's him. So I grabbed the camera, uh, the rope, and start pulling the camera up slowly. He's on the edge of the food plot, and I were on the food plot, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to see the camera. I hoist <laughs> the rope up, finally get the rope up, and uh, give him the camera. He's just going to free hold, for, you know, hand, hand hold the camera. We switch lenses. He's like, oh, he's coming out into the food plot. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking like, it's fine. He's just going to feed on acorns on the edge and like maybe browse on the food plot. And then he starts working across the food plot pretty quick. And so I grabbed my bow as quick as I could, knocked an arrow, put my release on, and I just couldn't do it fast enough. By the time I got on everything on, he was like 63 yards and it was on the other side of the food plot. He jumped the fence and left. And so, oh man, uh, it was one of those deals. I was like, what is going on? Like, you know, I, I, I do have a lot of success early season and you catch deer moving, but usually it's the last hour of daylight, not right. five twenty. Like, I mean, that, it was like two and a half hours before, you know, last light. I was yeah. like, what? That's so crazy. It's just those acorns, man. They love, they love the acorns and they're just like, you know, not, they're just terrible from a form from a nutrition standpoint, but they just love them. Yeah. Well, that's what they'll, like, they'll, they'll pick them first. Yeah. And that's what might be Dimitri and I like hunting the public land here in central Pennsylvania. Like for us, there's, they don't really do any type of ag, um, like like corn or anything like that on the, on the public land. So like our thing is like, we're like, okay, where's the acorns hitting? Where can we find, like you said, just like, just have them just pounding the ground just so then we could set up and like you said, like your buddy is close to the buck bedding. So then that way, if we know we could get in that core area of like a hundred yards where we, they get up, they go eat those acorns and they just kind of stay in that little bubble. If we could get within a certain range, hopefully that's where we're seeing deer or, or and that's what we, why we had to be more mobile too, because if we're, we could see the deer maybe 60 more yards and like, all right, we need to be on that side. How can we come in? So we have to really plan strategically to get into like that core area because of like not having that pure designated food, you know, for them. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can remember, you know, uh, over the, you know, the past years when, before we had, you know, some, some designated food plots and that type of stuff. And, and probably just for the pure fact of uh, just being a little more aggressive. Like yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know, we, we, I feel like we're, we're not super aggressive when, especially when it comes to Missouri and being home because we don't have to be, cause we can kind of wait for those situations. But like there has been situations in the past where you're a little more aggressive and the beauty of the acorn situation is like, if you get a big, you know, wide oak that's dropping those huge acorns, like there's no hiding the right. sign around them. I mean, like there's caps everywhere, all over the ground, <laughs> yep. tracks everywhere. They beat them up and they, hammer those things and so like it's they can it, it's it's weird if you get a good year where like certain trees produce really well and not all of them produce like they get really keyed in on those areas and um yeah they can definitely be they can definitely oh, yeah. be jam up and um even morning hunts uh, i actually tried the next morning the second day of season i tried the next morning to hunt that same buck because i'd been getting some pictures later in the morning which usually we don't like to mess with early season hunting uh you know mornings much but like you know, when they get on that acorn kick, they'll be up feeding late into the morning. And, and a lot of times, like in Missouri, at least they'll, 
they'll eat on acorns through the timber on their way out to the destination fields. Right. They'll eat acorns, they'll head out to the beans, feed all night in the beans, mess around in the beans. And if you can get back into the timber, you know, catch them on the way back in the morning, it's like they, they'll come off the bean fields before dark. Right. But or before, before daylight, I mean, but they'll, you know, browse through the timber for a while. So we don't have many spots that are, that are conducive for that, but that, that can be a pretty deadly setup when you do have a good access to a, uh, a nice oak ridge. Now, when you talk about too, uh, to kind of rewind just that little bit about like not hunting early season that, that very, like that often, is that like, especially too, like how you said, hunting at home, Missouri, you could kind of pick your poison of for like when you want to go and, and make a strong move. If you get that cold front, like October 15th or even earlier than that, are you going out there in the morning, putting in that, that time, or are you still waiting until the evening? Oh man, usually, usually, uh, usually we're waiting until the evening just because um unless it's, it's a specific spot you know just because in, in the evening is when they really seem to be feeding hard when those cold fronts hit and so uh we don't ever want a chance of messing yeah. that opportunity up because the, the beauty of afternoon hunts is you know you can get in undetected i mean we're getting into spots where you know we're going to get in there without bumping deer no matter what because they're not on their feet they're all bedded up and so that's kind of why i think we're a little more cautious then but um I mean, right now it's, it's interesting right now because, um, Sean and I were just talking earlier today that like, there's no like significant swings in weather coming right now in our weather patterns, but it's fairly cool overall. And I don't know if it's because of all the smoke and stuff from the fires out West, right? but like it's cooling down at night and it's not warming up super getting super hot during the day. And so like, man, the movement's been great, you know, yeah. and, and usually it's nice to have some variation in the weather, but they, uh, you know, I've I got nothing to complain about so yeah. far. I mean, they've been moving really good. Dude. I, that's why I'm like, I wish Pennsylvania opened up. I know right now there's two unit or I'm sorry, three units, uh, I think out by Pittsburgh and then by Philly area where there's three units that are open already now. Um, and, uh, we have seen in central Pennsylvania waking up to 32 degrees. I'm just the other day when that mm. hit, I was like, Oh no, wow. like, dude, it was the worst feeling. Cause I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I want to be in a tree stand right now. I texted Dimitri and I'm like, why can't we be hunting right now? He's like, I know. Then when you looked at, look at the weather coming up this, the rest of the week, we have like, it got up to like 60, but it's going to drop again. Like when we wake up, it will be about 38 degrees tomorrow morning, but it's going to get up in the seventies here later on. And, um, my sister actually lives in one of the units that has the opportunity to hunt and I have to go pick something up this weekend. So I'm like, I'm going to do a nice little, little hunting trip, I think. And kind of like, you, you know, kind of like you said earlier, get the cobwebs out of just to, uh, you know, before the statewide opens up on October 3rd. So, Hey, I'm going to go out, test my luck and, and see if a really nice deer comes by. I mean, why not? So Sweet. it gives me another, they, uh, are those areas that open early? Are they urban areas? Yeah, they're mainly urban. Is that areas. why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's gotcha. re- what's really cool though, when I look at it, uh, like on on X, I'm, uh, man, like it has everything. Like the spot that I, for public land, I'm like, this has everything. It looks like what I hunt here, uh, as far as like the ridges go, and uh, like having some trans- transition markings of you know looks like a creek bottom and all that type of stuff. So I'm hoping if I could get there Friday because I'm a school teacher and our I teach at State College, which is where Penn State University is, and we are remote right now because of everything going on in the world. So we're remote for the week to week, basically. 
And uh, so I might take Monday since I'm remote, do uh, attendance online. So that way I can get, get out scouting a little bit and then maybe make a plan for Saturday to, to maybe if I get, catch something, that'd be pretty sweet. Heck yeah. It'd be good. Like you said, just be good to get out and kind of, yeah. you know, take advantage of a little bit of extra time and out that, there. So. I even t- said to my dad, I'm like, even for anything, it's just, like you said, setting up my camera gear, getting situated and getting that first sit out of the way where get like getting all those cobwebs out just it, just to say okay now i'll be ready for the next weekend for officially opening day for yeah for, me. for sure awesome man well dude you've mentioned trail cameras and i know man right now with the cell cameras especially so many good ones out there uh how have you guys been using the cell cameras to in transitioning from those with like the old school going and checking like how has that changed especially on pro- like for private because i know the private land that i have back at home i have between my dad and i we have now four uh cell cameras just up in, the, in a core little area just because for me i got to travel like two and a half hours if i want to go home so my my thought process behind it was I, if I start seeing deer movement, I could go, boom, I could take the time that I need instead of, I can almost plan more accordingly. So like, what has your philosophy been with the cells and just even your normal regular trail cameras? Yeah, we, we run trail cameras a lot and rely on them, you know, more and more every year, it seems like, but the, the advent of cellular camera technology is just, it's been awesome. It's just crazy. And um, you know, I, I think you said that you, uh, you have some kids or mm-hmm. a kid. Yeah. And so like, you know, we're, we're at the stage in life where like time is precious, yep. you know, and, and it's the, the one thing we can't get enough of. And, um, man, it's just like, so, so awesome to be able to have that information at your fingertips. And like, like I said, I mean, we, you know, our main farm is like, kind of comparable to you, you two and a half hours away. And so, um, you know, we go up there and, and quite a bit on a regular basis and hunt and, and, you know, we run cameras and there's no way we could run, I guess, technically, I guess we could run all cellular cameras if we wanted to, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just for those situations. And like, you know, I got, I got a couple farms that are just, you know, 30 minutes, you know, drive, but then also it's like, you know, you got to work, go through gates and deal with cattle. And there's just situations where those cellular cameras are just priceless you know what i mean like there's in in the past we've talked about cameras and how we utilize them and like how we we actually put cameras in specific spots that like we don't check that camera unless we're hunting you know and it's kind of one of those deals you check the camera when you hunt it and you see okay you see what you you know missed out on or whatever but like uh, a lot of times you're like oh my gosh you know i haven't been here in two weeks to hunt this spot and I missed my window already, especially (laughs) when it comes to like the rut and like bucks being on the loose and searching for does. And so, um, we haven't honestly ran a ton of cellular cameras. Um, but it seems like every year we're adding a few more and more to the, to the arsenal. And, um, I don't know, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just like the convenience of, uh, of being able to, you know, have that information at your fingertips without having to like drive and check the cameras. And like, you can pretty much justify paying for one pretty quick if you're not burning a bunch of gas checking <laughs> cameras. And, and for me, like I said, the, like gas doesn't matter. It's literally time. Yeah. Time is the, like the one thing that I just can't ever get enough of. And, and, uh, the, the fact that any, anything that will help save time is I'm all for. Yeah, absolutely. Because my thing was you hit the nail on the head as far as the family is concerned. I mean, because that was like the one thing I really wanted to even ask you about just because, man, you get, you guys have been doing it this at such a high level for what, 13 years now? 
right? Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy and in, in, in itself because you guys are continually putting out amazing, amazing stuff. So to build on that, like, uh, like you said, I know you, you have your wife and your kids and I, I have my daughter and I'm a teacher, I'm a coach and friend and all that type of stuff goes into it. Like, and you guys are doing it on a elite level. How do you manage that, man? Cause it's like, for me, like I, we had a, um, we had Aaron on from the hunting public on last night, uh, we recorded with, and it was really cool. I went upstairs and I saw my wife and she was already like just hanging out in bed and, and I was like, man, I'm like, she's like, how'd it go? I'm like, really, really well. And I'm like, this is just awesome. I love just talk hunting. And, you know, who would have thought I started this and, you know, the podcast within the last eight months and antler up within a year. And I'm like, it's just crazy. And I'm like, I know you hate me sometimes. She's like, yep. <laughs> you know, <and> she's like, <laughs> yeah. but she wasn't, she's like, but I'll be your number one fan and number one supporter. And, uh, man, for, sometimes I got to reel it back in for me. Like what? How do you manage the the whole family thing? And obviously, too, this is your kind of, I would assume, your main job. So it's like, how do you manage, man? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 def- definitely a process and something that's evolved over the years, especially. I mean, like, yeah, we started out, Sean and I, in college, endless amounts of free time, like yeah. no, no, no care in the world besides what we wanted to do kind of deal. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we're both married now. Sean's got a a little boy now too. I got two little boys and, um, Skylar's got two little boys. All of our whole crew is, you know, kind of, you know, over the past 10 years has really, our, our whole dynamic has changed. Um, and so we, that's one thing we're fortunate of that I would never, ever like a lot of other TV shows or hunting brands, you know, may have like, you know, they may be like the main focus of the whole deal. Like, and that's, they're the, they're the kind of the host of the show and they do all the hunts. And like, that was, I could never, would never want to do that. Like, um, you know, just we're fortunate to have a really good group of guys that are number one, great hunters, but also, you know, number two, they're great, you know, filmmakers, producers, great behind the camera. Um, but we have a good team and that's, that's, that's the, the secret for our success is just being able to, um, rely on the team and not have to, any one person doesn't have to pull, you know, pull the weight of, of the whole team. Yeah. So, that's, you know, that, I know that like once, you know, once I had kids, like it was no big deal for me to go, you know, be gone for three, four weeks at a time, you know, a, a long stretch and chasing animals, doing whatever before. But now like, you know, we try to definitely space trips out. Like I said, we early season, we always have, you know, a big Western tour that maybe like two, two weeks, a little over two weeks sometimes. But like, usually we try to like, you know, week head out, you know, do a week long trip, come back, be home for a while before we head out for the next one. And, yeah. um, you know, now my, my, I mean, my wife's been hunting, you know, ever since we've been, been together. So for, for quite a while. And then obviously my, my oldest cam is, uh, he's uh, seven years old, shot his first year last year with a crossbow. That's so like, awesome. you know, when I get back in town, it's like, dad take us hunting let's <laughs> that, go so and that's easy uh, though that's like let's go yeah, you know that's exactly mm-hmm. literally my wife last night was it was the best thing ever my, my mom's like hey i was thinking about having you know the boy the the grandkids over and hang out at the pool uh before we close it up for the season or whatever on sunday you guys can have a go have a nice date night and yeah i was like hey bridget i was like you, date night and she's like <laughs> Yeah, where you want to go? I was like, you know where I want to go. She's like, all right. <laughs> so we went and got some Jimmy Johns and picked up some Jimmy Johns and took it with us and uh, went to the blind and sat in the blind and had a had a hunting date night and it almost paid off. We yeah. got real close last night, but that's awesome. But, uh, 
Yeah, but that, that, that's that, that's the best kind. So yeah, but I'm like, man, for when I went out to Utah, my daughter, she's six years old and uh, just started first grade and everything like that. So we're coming down to like getting to that like moment. And as soon the day that I got back on a oh, man early Saturday morning. Like that Monday, we started school for teaching and everything like that. So it was just like getting everything together. But she just like constantly would be send me videos and uh, like, Daddy, I miss you. And I'm like, man, this is tough. I'm like, some of these oh, guys yeah. that go like weeks without this, I'm like, I've just been gone nine days, like 10 days. It wasn't like the end of the world for, on from my end. And I just know it was a long time for her. And that's yeah, awesome. How was your uh, How was your Utah experience? Oh, uh, man, what it, it's actually funny because we haven't had a, a recap podcast episode of it yet just because uh it was, okay don't don't don't, don't no 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 <laughs> no it, it's cool it we uh we got our we took our licks man it was it was pretty fascinating because we had a mule deer tag we didn't do an elk tag either we were just like let's just focus on one we're only going to be there for 10 days basically uh with i think six six and a half days of like true hunting basically the other days were traveling and everything so we went to a unit where we knew we just could draw a, a tag. We didn't, and it wasn't general, no yep, gen, general yeah. tag. Um, it was actually right near that black diamond where I've, where your buddy shot that, that complete giant. Um, okay. It was near there. And um, so we, the first day we, we rode around, we did a ton of scouting and basically, and uh, we checked some spots out and uh, the area that we, drew the tag for we heard about that it was like later after we already drew the tag that they're like man that unit they love their road hunters like they're they love road hunting and we're like oh man yeah so we got to try to get away from people and we did everything in our power and uh it just never could really come about getting away we moved we ended up driving like an hour and a half more west got into a good area but again like where the deer were like a lot of deer we got on which is good like my expectations of seeing deer was like blown through the roof like we got on deer which was cool uh the, the caliber of deer not so much a uh, ton of doe ton of, of of fawns but uh not a not a ton of mature mature bucks and we weren't really uh expecting like we didn't have expectations so if it was a forker man we were gonna go after put on a stock and and, yeah. and do it and that's actually what came about for me uh it was we it was about wednesday it was in a new area that we found i got on a on a buck a fork buck uh pretty high pretty decent and i got to about 25 yards and i knew he was behind this big sage brush and uh i was kneeling down and i'm like my side was cramping up i was walking it was about like a 25 <laughs> stock it was a ton of fun i'm sweating galore it was like 88 degrees I'm in my socks and I stepped, stepped on like three cactuses. It was just nuts. And <laughs> uh, like, right. Yeah. Yep. So I'm sitting there and the wind was all in my favor. And all of a sudden I just felt this like gush of wind hit my neck. He's going to get up here soon somewhere. And he did. And I just heard like the hooves clack on the, on the rocks. He bounded off about 58 yards and I, I quick ranged him and I was comfortable. He, he presented a good shot. He was like kind of semi quartering away. I drew back and in my mind, I shouldn't have done this. Was that 61, like the brush in front of him? You know what I mean? I'm, oh man. So I quick let down, I ranged him again and it said 61. I'm like, all right, he's definitely 61. I drew back and I'm on him. As soon as my, my pin bounds, like I settled down, boom, he bounded away. I was like, oh man, but it, it was tough, man. And we, we, like I said, all, all three of us got in on deer. Um, but 
it just wasn't the caliber and it wasn't like the hunt that I necessarily was expecting at like we had, like you said, like we were prepared to be, you know, 10 camp, like 10 camping, uh, uh, just away from uh, if we got on mule deer, what's set up here type of ordeal. But we ended up having a base camp. Uh, it was tough and I, I can't wait to do it again, basically. So that's like the, 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 the good thing I guess out of it. And so we're like, maybe you, we don't go back there next year. Maybe we do like in Nebraska and we put in for a point just to kind of maybe get into a better unit that has more caliber, uh, better deer in a sense, but it was fun, man. It was a great learning experience. And, uh, that's the thing. Like we didn't fail. You just learn and just yeah. kind of go from there with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those, those hunts can be really, really tough. And, uh, you learn so much just by that, just that initial time being yeah. on the putting, you know, boots on the ground kind of deal. And, um, a lot of times, you know, you, like you said, you may learn, learn enough to know yep. that you don't want to necessarily come back to that unit or, <laughs> yep. uh, sometimes you pick up enough to where you're like, Oh man, if I only had, you know, another, mm-hmm. another week or a few more days and then you come back next year and you, you learn a little bit more and yep. yeah, once you figure it out, uh, it can be done. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we've, we've done a handful of, of general unit, general tags out there in Utah and it's tough. Um, I mean, they're, <laughs> it's funny, like those hunts, it's, it's just, <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't matter like all the adventure hunts the hunts that like you know they look the coolest and they yeah. seem the neatest and the most beautiful places like they're brutal <laughs> yeah like you're talking about my colorado hunt you're like yep. oh man like looks so cool the yep. snow is awesome like and it does it's beautiful but it's it sucks it is brutal <laughs> i mean it's literally the worst it's the worst but it's those hunts that like you push yourself so hard and like you get through those you know, when doubt starts to creep in your mind and you push yeah. yourself beyond that and like you push your body physically and mentally to do more, like you step away from those hunts and like those are the ones that really, really hit home that you remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause um, we, we had what was cool to, to kind of talk about that is what it was the second day actually. So it was like our second day of, of hunting out there. We got on a higher point where we thought we were going to be away from people, away from four by fours and UTVs and everything. And we saw lights come and it got up to the mountain. We didn't know they where they were basically. We thought they just kind of continued off going like way in front of us. Uh, and when, once light hit, I went over to Dimitri who was making coffee and I was like, dude, there's two deer right in front of you. Like I saw them with my naked eye and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah pulled up the binos one was a four by four beautiful deer the other one was like uh he either was like a three by three or at least a a really nice fork we couldn't really make it out at at, just because it was go like what was going on next thing you know he goes well jeremy look look up and i looked up the mountain and there were two four-wheelers just like glassing the same deer that we saw you know and we had people on the podcast we're like you know what could you help us out with like what's some they're like man just come up with a game plan watch them bed you know like take your time that's what we said to each other we're like all right and then next thing you know we saw these two four by fours and like four people standing up there two of them get down and they start sprinting like down this mountain we're like okay so Dimitri and I looked at each other, uh, let's go here because I think if they escape, they're going to go this way. We don't think they're going to go that way. Like we had a, we came up with a game plan of where the deer we thought were yeah. going to, to run. And we were right. We just were too far, <laughs> like down and to the right compared. They kind of like, like split us in between us. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. It was just crazy. And it was like something that we never, like, like I said, hunting central PA public land is, you know, has its pressure and everything like that. And we're used to that. That just totally, we're okay that's how it's going to be. We got to, we see a deer, we got to like come up with a game plan and go 
put a put something on it. It was just nuts. Dude. Yeah. So that, yeah. that that was definitely different and de- fascinating to see. And then we ended up talking to the guys, and they're like, "Yeah, he ran. He he's he." We're like, "Well, we heard something, and then we said it was further down." He's like, "Yeah, we think uh, he he ran right over to top." Okay, well, a couple of days later, Mike, we went up to that same spot, and we were walking. We wanted to go up a little bit higher because it got up to the stick aspen stuff and we just wanted to take a look as we're walking through we see an arrow and we pull it up i'm like this is that arrow that they must have just got off the road off to, to this quad took a shot at this deer didn't hit it just because it was like an old school red and yellow fletching that like my like in my curriculum when i teach archery in class like the old aluminum <laughs> scenarios yeah, it was yeah. like that you gotta be kidding me like this shit was crazy it was just nuts uh yeah. but man it, it was just wild so that was our big head shaking moment we're like all right we uh definitely want to try to get like, that deep country high country mule deer hunt in the future because it was, it was fun man it was just fascinating just to see the difference of like that compared to a white tail up close for me and oh it's yeah. just not yeah, it's just I love wild. It. it's so much different it's not even comparable yeah, yeah it truly is it man well mike i want to talk about again building on top of you guys been doing this for 13 years uh man how what a ton has changed i'm sure like where did you guys start with for self-filming and and getting to to where you guys are at now as far as like i mean you could even just focus on like the equipment for what people because right now i think man there's tons of forums uh, you know facebook groups and this and that for self-film hunters and um you know i'm running a sony ax 43 this year just to help out and i also have for my dslr i have a mirrorless a6400 from sony uh that i'm just going to try to use as my two like b-roll and that main shot camera i mean you guys are like it seems like the the godfathers when it comes to the dslr cameras putting out like that beautiful story stuff man so how what has changed over those years how have you guys kept upping your game like what like what's that little hint of ingredient that you can maybe give us oh man yeah it's crazy it's coming come a long long ways and, <laughs> uh, we haven't we we haven't ever really done a ton of self-filming um sean and i got started just filming each other like i had a handy cam and it was basically just like filming for fun, share with friends and family. You know, we got more serious and, um, you know, started, we bought a, a Canon GL2 or whatever it was and a little prosumer camera and, and, and got a little more serious. And then um, we actually started manufacturing, selling tree arms. That's kind of how we got our, our foot in the door in the, in the industry. But um, really it was just like, you know, when we got serious about it and, and, and the hunting, the content, like hunting TV video industry was just really, really far behind it. We, we kind of saw an opportunity to like yeah. really tell stories and, and produce a cin- like cinematic yep. content that was, that was non-existent. And now we're in a world where it's, I mean, there's great content all over the place, which has been great, you know, for the industry in, in itself. But uh, we kind of saw that opportunity ran with it. And we were kind of one of the first, uh, you know, shows uh, or brands to really, you know, tell a story besides the, you know, outside of the kill. And so, um, but yeah, from a technology standpoint, it's insane. Cameras have changed so much and it's pretty awesome because like, I mean, shoot, I mean, I film a lot of stuff just like for social and stuff with my iPhone and stuff. And like the the quality of the phones is is outrageous. But like uh, beyond that, people ask us all the time, like, Hey, you know, I'm going to get into filming a little bit. Like what kind of camera should I look into? And man, those like the DSLRs now, like those mirrorless DSLRs are so 
feature rich and they have so much capability. Like, and the beauty of that is you can, you know, take video plus take photos. Um, you know, the autofocus features are getting better. They're smaller, they're more compact. It means, you you know, you need less equipment and they're easier to use. That's the big thing is like, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to (laughs) film hunts and, and, and do it properly. And, um, any sort of shortcuts or any sort of things that make it more fluid or easy than, then those are, those are better. So right. we've had a lot of situations, like I said, with like my opening day in Missouri where the camera basically saved the buck's life. I mean, if I was hunting by myself, that buck would have been dead <laughs> in a heartbeat, but, um, like any situations where like they can save you some time is going to make you more successful. So, yeah, that's the p- the big thing that I like, even for myself, it's, it's so funny because last year, uh, for my buck hunt, I've told this story on, on the podcast before, uh, is when I got down to, to my pre-hung, uh, set that I had, uh, was it two days before I think it was or something. And I get down there, I, I climb up and I thought I like spooked a deer out and I was like, Oh man, you gotta be kidding me. And here they were just chasing. It was just going nuts. It was still right before light. And I pull up my bow, I get that hung up, I pull up my jacket and like all this racket is going on. I'm like, crap, I can't set up my camera. Like, I just don't, I don't want to bust this opportunity. And I pull up my bow, boom, right away. You just start hearing like snap. And I, I, I could see this big body deer walking. And I, I look at my, my, my watch and it was shooting light, but it was still kind of dark there in the timber. And I look at my bow and I saw my pins were lit. All right, let's see what happens. And this deer about 15 minutes go by the deer comes like nine yards right by the stand. I just saw a tall white. I didn't even, I just saw he was a nice mature buck drew back hard shot, like 60 yards dropped. And I, 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 I have, I put out my GoPro after I heard him like, like crash. I'm like, guys, I didn't even set up the camera, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, I didn't have that opportunity. I wasn't going to let it kind of go by. And, uh, Dimitri, his camera arm, like a screw came out right before he climbed up the tree the day he shot his buck in October. Like it was just wild. And I said to him, I'm like, we definitely got to film each other more often next year. I said, just because hopefully we could eliminate, eliminate some of the the stupid stuff that, that, uh, the mistakes that we had this past year. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's the name of the game for sure. Cause you guys offer even like a, do you guys still offer that, that film school that you guys do in the summer? Yeah. Yeah, we still been doing. Uh, we do it every every summer. We do a film school, and yeah, have have a weekend where we have people come out from all over the country, and we you know just talk about hunts and you yeah. know producing hunts, film equipment, all that kind of stuff. And we get a really wide variety of of people. It's 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 pretty fun. It's a cool yeah. weekend, and a lot of like minded folks in the same place. But uh, yeah, we I mean, we get people that like literally like, oh, I don't even have a camera yet. I just want to learn like, the <laughs> basics before I I want to come here before I buy one. And then we have people that do it for a living in the industry that film for other TV shows that freelance yeah. that want to, you know, learn more about the storytelling side of things. They want to learn more about, you know, shooting time lapses, yeah. hyperlapses, starscapes, you know, um, you know, high frame rate video stuff. I mean, so we kind of cover it all. We kind of cover everything on the base level and then we break up into, you know, uh, groups and yeah. then dive into the details for different people, but it's, it's cool. It's fun. It's a fun deal. And, yeah, this year kind of was kind of damp, put the, put the damper on it with the COVID situation, yeah. but yeah. Uh, we still had it. We still had a good a good group of people. It was a smaller group. Um, we did a smaller group deal, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. It should be should no, be good. It's it's awesome, and I think that's the one one area I I, I love about it is just because it's so ever evolving. Where you could 
try new equipment out. You could try new things. And, uh, oh, I, I think yeah. that's what draws me to that. Well, dude, uh, honestly, I, I, I really look forward to what 2020 has in store for you. What, what else do you have going on for, for this upcoming season? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be hard at it here in Missouri for the next few weeks, trying to get my wife buck, my son is first buck. And, uh, I got a few bucks that I'll be going after too. And, um, I'm heading back to Colorado at the end of uh, third week of October. Okay. Uh, that same that same place I hunted last year. I drew that tag again, uh, where I killed killed my biggest buck ever last year. So uh, excited to get back there. I pushed the trip back a little bit um, to hopefully get into some pre rut action. Right. So excited for that. And then I drew a Kansas tag, so I'll be out there for the rut. Um, and then that's pretty well it. I got a few uh other open-ended things that might come together but yeah um yeah looking forward to focusing a little bit more on missouri and yeah and trying to get uh bridget and camden bucks any anyone that uh that he wants has he called dibs on one yet you know i i I, so i have a property i have a couple properties um that aren't too terribly far from home that i manage that um you know they've just got a lot of good bucks and like my father-in-law's place is one of them to where like you know, I, I get, I get really serious about my whitetails and management and, you know, not shooting younger bucks. And I have a couple of these other properties that I'm just like, these are specific for like, you know, yeah, for having fun, shooting whatever you want. And like, there's a heck of a crop of nice three-year-olds this year. So I'm excited. There should be literally like just, you know, 10 different ones they would love to shoot. And, um, so it should be a fun year. I planted food plots, like small little, you know, 30 yards across. So just <laughs> specific for, you know, them and tight, tight, tight quarters and close opportunities. So it should be a fun year. Yeah. Even if, uh, even if none of the bucks show up, I know that we, it's, it, we got a really high deer density. And so we need, I shoot you know, over 10 a year, 10 does a year off of them, each of the places. And so it'll be fun regardless. Yeah. Well, what's awesome is to like uh, thinking for, for, when I was young, the best thing for me growing up was when I would go with my dad and I would see deer, you know, and it was those days when, when he finally kicked me out of the tree stand and I was hunting on my own when I would not see a deer, you know, as a young teenager, like, man, I could be chasing girls right now. I could be playing with my friends. I could be doing all this other stuff. So I'm sure he'll have the opportunity to see a lot of deer growing up and and have some fun and get some cracks at him. So that's, Oh, he's set. He's set. And I, you know, I, I thought about that a lot, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't want it to, I don't, I, I don't want it to be too easy. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I want it to be fun, but I don't want it to be too easy. You know, right. I don't want to hand it to him on a, on a silver <laughs> spoon. Uh, so you got to find that balance. Yeah. He's hunted quite a, you know, quite a few times with, with, with Bridget and I, and then last year I think he hunted, you know, three times and then he got his first doe. And, uh, so he's, he's ready to shoot a buck. We shot the crossbow tonight in the yard earlier tonight in the backyard and, picked up right where we left off. Those things are just unreal. Got yeah. a little red dots, you yeah. know, scope on it. And he's just, I mean, they're so they're, they're great. They're yeah. great for kids because shoot, he won't be able to actually shoot something with a bow till he's, you know, right. Probably 12, 13, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe, maybe 11 if he's, you know, hitting the weights, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a great way to get him involved early. Yep. And that's the one thing like with my daughter, I got her just like a little bear bow that she's able to draw back and I got a new bow this year and, and she's like, my, so did my dad. And she, she goes, well, you and Papap got a new bow. She's like, I want a new bow this year for Christmas. I said, well, ask your Papap. And so, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, ask your Papap. So she, uh, 
she asked him Santa. yeah yeah she asked him for uh for a new little uh bow so we're gonna get her one just to have some more fun with it and uh my wife sent me a video she had horse lessons uh tonight and uh on her way back she kept when she came home she was so excited uh she she's like daddy i saw two fawns like she loves deer and, and just like especially obviously the baby yeah. fawns and she's like it, the the doe or the the fawn still had like two white spots on i'm like that's awesome but in the video she's like in the car she's she's like hey hey fawn and the next thing you know she's like meh Man, like she's like trying to, <laughs> man. Man, I'm like, that's the best. It's just uh classic. It, it is. And it's just so neat to, to model that, man. I, I, I think again, just kind of like how you mentioned about, uh, having your family being a part of Heartland bow hunter. It's just, it's refreshing to see. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, it's relatable. I mean, yeah. that's what, I mean, that's what it's all about. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. It's friends and family and yeah. you know enjoying time in the outdoors yeah man dude honestly so where could people find you on on social media and, and check you guys out i know you know obviously the tv show and and then uh, i love when you guys put it out on on youtube as well so you know where could people find you guys everywhere and anywhere that you consume content <laughs> that's the that's the nature of the of the world we live in yeah we are uh yeah outdoor channel um is where the show is all new shows actually our our, our 13th episode um, is airing this week, uh, 9.30 Thursday nights. Um, our new season of Behind the Draw, which is our digital series we put out, uh, just started like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, we just dropped our third episode yesterday. And so every Sunday we're dropping new episodes on our YouTube channel, um, Facebook, Instagram, TV, everywhere. So, um, you know, we're on Amazon Prime, yep. uh, iTunes, everywhere. Uh, anywhere. So, that's awesome. yeah, just the best way to keep up is just through, yeah. through social media, Facebook and Instagram. We're posting updates regularly there and, and, uh, yeah, anywhere you can consume your content. Yeah, man. I, I, I will say before we get off, it's it just, it's so awesome to see because your content is suitable for all those platforms. What you just said, you know, it's not your typical old school. I remember when I, when I was 12 years old, watching like the outdoor channel with my dad and just watching like that show of what it was, like you said, like we yeah. mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast about being cinematic. It is, uh, it's awesome to see how you guys could just legit go across every single platform. It fits it. It, it just, the storytelling's phenomenal. And uh, if you haven't seen it, please make sure, you know, go watch them just because it, it doesn't matter if Michael's on, on, on the show, on the camera, all the guys are just great and fun to watch. You pick up something new. And uh, for me as, as a content creator, I just love, uh, you know, again, just, just seeing all that, the, the awesome content that that's put on the show. So Go check them out over at Heartland Bow Hunter. And uh, Michael, thanks for coming on, man. Until next time, everybody, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Again, I hope you guys enjoy that one with Mike. I sure did. I uh, had a fun time recording that one. Hopefully you got something out of it. We're coming towards the end here of October. And I know we covered a little bit of more of October stuff in that episode, but uh, you know, I think the same principles could go ahead and, and go into to November a little bit before the rut, just because some certain areas, uh, the rut's gonna kick off a little bit uh, different time frame than, than other, other areas. So use that to your advantage and uh, hope you enjoy that one. Mike's a good guy. Check them all out over at Heartland Bowhunter. And uh, pre greatly, greatly appreciate all of you guys for listening and tuning in. Uh, go, go please leave a five-star review. And if you do, uh, send me a screenshot because uh, the first person that does it, I'm going to send you a um, premium membership to Onyx. So thank you for listening. Till next time, Antler up.